what I like to do most is help farmers try to find practical solutions to issues that they're having that they can implement uh, to help with, uh, you know, production or tools or marketing or energy efficiency, any of those issues that they're dealing with. I like to try to find practical solutions for them to make their farms more resilient. In this episode of Voices from the Field, Sustainable Agriculture Specialist Nina Prater introduces us to one of INCAT's newest staff members, Chris Lint. Actually, it's more of a reintroduction since Chris worked at INCAT several years ago. He took a break when his son was born, and now he's back as a Sustainable Agriculture Specialist working with INCAT's Northeast Regional Office from Northeast Pennsylvania. Chris has wide-ranging experience, from organic agriculture and high tunnel production to solar power and business planning. He and Nina talk about his journey in agriculture and the projects he'll be taking on with INCAT. Let's listen. Hi, my name is Nina Prater, and I'm an ag specialist with our NCAT Southeast office out of Fayetteville, Arkansas, and I'm excited today to introduce you all to one of our new NCAT specialists, Chris Lent. Chris was actually with NCAT previously, and he is returning to us a second time, if the name sounds familiar. <laughs> Thank you for being with us, Chris. Sure. Thank you for doing this, Nina. I appreciate it and glad to introduce myself or reintroduce myself to some people. I'm a, I've begun recently as a NCAT agricultural specialist out of the Northeast office, uh, working from Pennsylvania. And that's where I live in uh, Northeastern Pennsylvania. Like you said, I had a previous stint with NCAT for four years back in 2012 to 2016. And I'm very happy to be back in my old position. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you that you liked it so much you came back. <laughs> um, I'm glad they asked me. <laughs> <laughs> so just to give our listeners a little background, how did you get interested, involved in sustainable agriculture to begin with? Yeah, for that, we'll have to go probably back pretty far. I uh, was born actually on a farm, a working farm. My grandparents were dairy farmers. And my father was a, was a dairy farmer as well until I was about seven years old, somewhere in that range. So when my grandparents were dairy farmers, it was in an era when all you needed were, you know, five cows and you were in the dairy business. You know, it was a totally different era. But, you know, my father uh, was a small dairy farmer here in Northeast PA, and that's the farm I was born on. In the mid-70s, when I was still very young, they had to, my parents had to sell off cows, sell off the equipment, and, you know, go out of the dairy business. Uh, luckily, we continued farming in other ways, but, you know, a lot of a lot of families, you know, I was kind of personally affected, and my family was personally affected by that now, you know, infamous decline of the American family farm. And it continues now, but the 70s and 80s was a real, a real crucial time for that, those happenings. And uh, like a lot of farms, they were convinced to, you know, go a little bit bigger by the lending companies, get more equipment, get more cattle. And then that meant more, more of a loan, you know, and this happened to many, many farms. Then they had to sell off, sell those uh, cows and equipment off and, and go out of the business. And I remember, you know, how that felt, even though I was very young, I remember the, the feelings involved in that and how that affected our family for a very long time. 
So that was kind of the start, but luckily they were able to hold on to the main portion of the property of the land. And we continued farming, you know, as I grew up, I grew up on a farm that was, uh, we raised dairy replacement heifers for other local farms. And we also uh, had some beef cattle that we raised and made hay all summer long or what seemed like all summer long. You know, that type of farming and growing up like that, I, I really enjoyed that and got to love the land. It kind of instilled a sense of stewardship in me over the land. I can't imagine a better way of growing up. That was my first real time when I like when I started falling in love with with, with agriculture <laughs> in general my family also my parents also worked off the farm so it wasn't a full-time occupation I met a lot of people who grew up on dairy farms who were turned off by that you know seven days a week year-round work perhaps if uh, our farm had continued to be a dairy that would have happened to me too but as it was the type of farming that we went into as I grew through my teenage years, um, it did nothing but instill kind of a love of farming in me. So that's how that came about. And I'll share another experience I had with agriculture that really influenced my thinking as far as sustainable agriculture is concerned. When I was growing up as a teenager in high school, I guess this was a friend of mine convinced me to take a summer job working for a chicken farm, a local chicken farm, and this would be considered a CAFO uh, now. It was large chicken barns with thousands and thousands of chickens in them. Our job was to load the day-old chicks into the barn, which wasn't bad, you know, that seemed like there was enough room in there and, and the barn was clean and was in good shape at that point. But then, you know, six or seven weeks later, our job was to go back and take those chickens out and load them into trucks. So that process was horrible. Uh, we were pulling, you know, the barn was filthy. The smell of ammonia was overwhelming. <laughs> um, you know, I don't want to go too negative, but, you know, the chickens were crowded. And uh, as you pulled them out of the cages, uh, they were, you know, being injured. And you'd carry them four in, in each hand up to the truck and load them hand them to the person loading them on the truck who was simply throwing them into the crates and stomping them into the crates. And it was a like kind of a shocking experience to me. And uh, especially since we had been kind of taught to, you know, limit the suffering of the animals on our farm, we, we wanted to do everything we could to treat our, the animals who were, un, were under our husbandry very well. And that was the example that I always had. Uh, as I finished my commitment to the to this farm, I you know started wondering why is this the way our food is produced, <laughs> you know? And every night I'd be questioning, you know, if this is how the production system is with with poultry, is it the same way with hogs? Is it the same way with beef? And it got me starting to think. As a I was young then, I was still in my teen years, but that was my first thoughts about agriculture being going and heading in the wrong direction. And is there a better way that we can do this? I started asking myself, you know, okay. and so that had a profound effect on me. I, that just stuck with me for many, many years. And I kept asking and searching for answers to the question, can this be done better? You know, can, is there a better way to do it? So that was my experience that started leading me towards uh, more sustainable systems uh, of agriculture. How I got interested in 
vegetable production was the same as as how I got interested in, in farming in general. We always had a big garden when I was growing. I always loved to grow food. I loved to plant it and grow it and loved every aspect of it. And as a young boy, really about 10 years old, I came across a book called uh, Square Foot Gardening. And this is by no means a, a farming book, but it's a backyard gardening book, but it did have uh, methods of like intensive crop planting methods and succession planting methods described in there. And it started being a real interest of mine to try to grow as much out of a small area as I possibly could. So the small scale intensive farming and growing methods really started taking root then. And I'm still interested in that. And that's one of my focuses even now. So that's how I got interested in, in vegetable production at a real early stage. So those were my early influences, at least, and how I started heading towards, towards a certain path or down a certain path. Uh, when I went to school, went to college, I studied business, which is always helpful. But I also was introduced to new ideas and got involved some with some environmental groups that opened my eyes to how we have an impact on the environment and what we do as far as food systems and how we produce our food has an impact on the environment and our health and on many other things. And that's where I really started to connect the dots and started reading, you know, releases from Rodale Press and books on organic and sustainable farming. And I said, well, there is another way of doing this. And I discovered it kind of there that there is a different way of going about it. And I really latched onto that. And, you know, then I started asking the question, if we know and have these methods, and we already know that we can do these, raise our food and have food systems that are low impact or even beneficial and regenerative to our ecosystems and our soils, why aren't we doing it? <laughs> You know, that was the question. Yeah, that was the question I started asking then. Why? Why is it? It's so obvious to me. Why isn't it obvious to to everyone? And that's a complicated question. I still, am asking, but trying to you know slowly find the answers to that question. <laughs> you find it. Let us know. <laughs> right. <laughs> it is a big question. <laughs> that's the big. One. That is the big one. Mm-hmm. So you studied business in college. Did you end up? continuing that or you know what direction did you go after college well I, I sort of did after a few odds and ends jobs after college I came back to our family farm property and started a started a business I started a farm business I started a, a small diversified vegetable operation and that was called Lens organics and we were certified organic from year one. I did that for about 10 years. I was uh, owner operator of Lentz Organics for about 10 years. And we had, uh, we were certified through a group called Pennsylvania Certified Organic. That was kind of important to me at the time to distinguish us. And even though we were one of the only small diversified vegetable farms in in the area, I still felt that it was important to get certified. At the time, I wanted to learn process and what was involved. And we had a focus, our market focus was basically a CSA that we operated. And we had several farmers markets that we sold through. And we also approached uh, restaurants throughout that 10 years and sold some restaurants, which I 
I found for us was one of the more difficult marketing uh, avenues. But we were lucky. We were back in a, uh, when I was doing this, uh, our CSA members were very involved with the farm. Uh, they would come to the farm to pick up their produce every week. And they would bring, bring their children. Oftentimes, we could share the farm with them. We should, could show them any livestock that we had on the, on the farm. And they were very involved. I know that the CSA model has changed a lot since then. There's a lot more delivery going on now. And I know some CSAs, the members still come to the farm. But we were, I felt very lucky that we had a core group of people that were always coming to the farm. That was a, a very fun aspect of it to me. Uh, but and I the community aspect. That's the, the community the, aspect of the community-supported agriculture. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And I think that's somewhat missing now, you know, in a lot of CSAs. But we were, we were fortunate in that. And uh, I immediately began to become aware of how difficult it was, you know, to have a small diversified vegetable operation, production issues, um, crop planning uh, matching your production to markets, finding markets to begin with, cash flow issues. And we came, you know, face to face with all of that immediately. It had to start learning quickly. <laughs> and I started being involved at that point with an organization here in Pennsylvania called PASA, which was uh, Pennsylvania Association for Sustainable Agriculture. It's now referred to as PASA Sustainable Agriculture. But they're a farmer-based education organization, and I started going to all of their field days, or as many as I could, and their workshops and their conferences, and started learning from other farmers as soon as I could, which is, you know, powerful, powerful tool uh, to be able to learn from people who have some experience already. And we, um, we were off and running <laughs> at that point. We also had involved in the farm uh, some laying hens that we raised, and we had a uh, some beef animals we raised, and some pastured poultry that I raised as well. Those were not certified organic, but we offered those to our CSA members as extras. So that's the way we set up the farm at that point. That's really interesting. A lot of people become farmers because they're passionate about farming, and then they have to learn the business uh, side of it afterwards. <laughs> but you didn't. Right. You well, you knew about farming from growing up on a farm, learned the business uh, side of things, and then had to take that knowledge and master the production agriculture, too. And that's really interesting. Right. Yeah, Getting all those pieces uh, of the puzzle together is a challenge no matter what. <laughs> but, yeah, that's really neat. No matter your background, it is a, it is a puzzle to mm -hmm. put all that together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you said you ran that for 10 years. Is Lentz Organics retired now? It is as of now a retired farm. I'm still have some hopes that I can do some production agriculture again, which I can talk about down the road. I still still keep my hand into gardening and to some large scale gardening. I have a high tunnel that I put up a few years ago, and it's not out of the question that I would start a small CSA again on the side, uh, and that's always in the back of my mind. But after we were done, well, uh, we decided to get out of farming, and I think it's a kind of a good thing to think about uh, the end game when, when someone goes into an ag enterprise. Now, we want to see farms last for a long time and be successful, but I think from a holistic standpoint, it's nice to 
you know, have a plan B or have some some uh, end game questions answered in case your goals aren't completely being met by by where you are currently. So we, you know, had a lot of things going on. We were starting to build our own home. I had met my wife in the interim while I was while I was I was farming, and we started getting interested in in building methods and alternative building methods. I wanted to you know, carry over our philosophies from from farming and low impact farming and sustainable farming and sustainability into our building of our house. So we chose to build a straw bale constructed house that was off grid and it consumed a lot of our time and our energy and our finance uh, funding at that time. So we decided to meet some of our goals. We wanted to move away from farming and get into off-farm jobs for the moment, for the time being. Uh, since I was very interested in energy conservation through the house that we were building, anybody who's built an off-grid house, uh, energy is like first thing on their on their mind <laughs> all the time. You know how much energy usage you're you're having. So I got involved at that time with an energy company here in Pennsylvania that did uh, solar and wind install work, design and install work, and they also did energy audits on homes and energy retrofits for homes uh, as efficiency measures. And so I got my uh, HERS Rater training uh, during that time, which is the uh, home energy rating system that's used for rating Energy Star homes and also did some solar training, solar photovoltaic and wind energy training and started working for that company doing uh, solar installs and energy audits. And that was a totally different direction, but it was a very good experience. And I learned a tremendous amount during my time with them. Yeah, I, I can see the sort of natural transition too from, I mean, I see the sustainability thread through throughout your, your work. Yes, it's um, how we build the homes we live in and buildings that we work and live in. Is very is almost as important from a sustainability and an energy usage and an environmental standpoint as is how we produce our food. So kind of made sense that we would go an alternative route with our home as well as our food production. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it all requires resources and to make sure they come from a sustainable source and to make sure you're not using excess. That's a good point. It's really interesting. Um, so then how did you end up at NCAT the first time? <laughs> yeah, well, I think during my farming years, I became aware of NCAT and the ATRA program. I actually used ATRA resources uh, during my farming period. So I knew of the organization and how amazing their information was that they provided to farms. I heard, I can't remember exactly how I heard a position became available now at this point, but I, I heard a position was available and I applied because while I was learning a lot at my energy job and uh, really enjoyed it there, farming was always my first kind of, um, my first love basically, you know, and I wanted to be involved in helping move sustainable agriculture forward. I think was my thinking. And I thought that I could do it through that, through a position at NCAT. So I applied and uh, interviewed and uh, was offered the position that got me there uh, in 2012. In the spring of 2012, I joined the Northeast office as an egg specialist. 
During that time, I focused on, you know, agricultural energy issues. I did outreach on energy efficiency on farms. And I also did outreach on whole farm planning and business planning for farms. And um, I was involved during that time with writing and uh, developing the marketing section of the scaling up to regional markets tutorial that was done at Inc. And I've noticed there's a lot of more information on scaling up on the website than there was when I was here in uh, 2016. And I'm really kind of happy, I'm happy to see that because I think it's relevant to a lot of farms. I think there's a lot of farmers thinking about getting a little bit bigger and maybe looking into wholesale markets and so forth. I mean, that's been a trend for a while now, but I think that, that information is very valuable to have on the site. I presented and did outreach on high tunnel management and urban agriculture. And like I said, energy, uh, agricultural energy issues and, and farm business planning, those types of things were my focus. And I was also involved in a project partnering with the U.S. Botanic Gardens. And I presented on urban soils, uh, urban soil health at the U.S. Botanic Gardens in D.C. through that project. And uh, there also was a greenhouse manual uh, produced out of that project that I helped with. I helped on the design and the setup of a greenhouse a portion of that project. And uh, I was involved with Arm to Farm uh, toward the tail end of my, my first tenure here at NCAT, uh, which is a great project that trains uh, veterans for who want to start a farm operation or start a farming business. And I was involved in several publications that I wrote and co-wrote with others. Uh, one was on food hubs, uh, one on solar-powered livestock watering systems. I did an update on that publication. I wrote a publication on urban high tunnel management in urban agriculture and the specific issues involved faced with urban uh, growers and high tunnel production. And one of the last things I, I worked on was a Northeast SARE grant, a uh, small grant that I applied for and, and uh, received for an idea that I had to try to come up with an alternative ventilation system for high tunnel winter production here in the north, Northeast. Uh, so I was suggesting that I test the idea of using a heat recovery ventilation system in high tunnel production for the winter, which would lower the humidity and bring fresh air into the tunnels uh, while not losing all of the solar heat gain that's happening in the tunnels. And I was hoping that would boost production. So I worked with a farm here in Pennsylvania, New Morning Farm, to test that idea. It showed, showed a little bit of promise. And I was happy, you know, happy to be able to be working on something like that as well. That's really interesting. So a wide range of topics that, that you are able to help people with and communicate about. That's really great. Yeah, I think it's rare to have people that know so many different topics so well. The vegetable stuff, the energy stuff, the, the business stuff. That's really cool. Just so listeners are aware, I started with NCAT at the very end of Chris's tail end. So I'm getting to know him too. So I'm, I'm excited to know what I can email you questions about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, I yeah. hope that I can help. <laughs> Um, so with all of this interesting work on your plate, why would you ever decide to leave? <laughs> well, I, I had a pretty big pool away from, from NCAT when my son was born. I decided and my wife and I decided that I would come home for a while and 
getting him launched. Basically, I, I became a stay-at-home father for these past years. That was a wonderful experience. I, I think it was a great decision and have no regrets about that whatsoever. We, um, we got him off to a really good start, and he's now starting in kindergarten now. That was kind of the plan in the back of my head to get those, you know, first five or so years really solid uh, for him. And then uh, I would start looking for a livelihood again. And, and it so happened that this position opened up this spring and I heard about it. So it was very fortuitous that I, <laughs> that it, how it happened, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess that's a pretty good reason for leaving any cat. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. If you're going to put your priorities straight, I think yeah, it is. <laughs> I think that that makes a lot of sense to me. <laughs> well, I'm so glad that the timing worked out for you just right. And um, so what is on your plate for future work going forward? I'm sure you're already diving into projects and have some ideas of, of things you'd like to pursue. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I am still a little bit getting in the swing of things, but things happen. I got, I've gotten very busy very quickly, it <laughs> seems. I should mention that just before, the, the most recent thing I did before coming back to NCAT, I went through the IOIA trainings for crops and livestock inspection work and started doing organic inspection work here in Pennsylvania, which, you know, would be one other thing that I could possibly help with, uh, help farmers with explaining the inspection process, organic inspection process. I had that experience from the farming side. Now I've got the experience from the inspection side. Yeah, going forward here, I will hopefully be working on a lot of similar things that I was working on when I was here before, but uh, there's a great agri-solar project that just came online this past July that I will definitely be involved with. It's uh, funded through the Department of Energy's Energy Efficiency and Renewable Energy section or division. And there's a lot of partners in the project, but it's working on uh, developing a basically a clearinghouse of information on co-locating solar photovoltaics with agricultural land. So it will be a brand new website with lots and lots of information, a, a basically a clearinghouse of information to support and be available to anyone involved in that kind of co-location of solar and agricultural land and examples on how to do it well. And uh, it's going to be a tremendous resource, and I hope to be involved in that. And I, I will be involved in that project. In addition, uh, there's projects that I've uh, kind of been pulled on to bringing farms to schools. And they've been doing trainings in different regions throughout the country, training extension folks and others who work with producers uh, to try to give them a curriculum. A curriculum was developed to uh, train the trainers, basically, on how to teach uh, producers to sell to local school systems and school districts. I'm happy to be involved in that. I'll be helping with some of the trainings here in the Northeast and Mid-Atlantic region. Uh, on that project. And one project that I mentioned that's grown quite a bit is the Arm to Farm project. And I was in, involved in that uh, when I was previously here at NCAT. And there's a lot more of those trainings coming up over the next few years, as you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, I hope to be involved in that on some level. I, I presented at those trainings on, you know, high tunnel management and business planning. So I hope to be involved in those as well. Yeah, it sounds like a full plate. 
Yeah, it's already it's already burgeoning. <laughs> it's already a full plate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners about yourself and about about anything really about your thoughts on sustainable agriculture, uh, about your things you'd love to questions you'd love to get from people anything like that (laughs) (laughs) well i don't call them specialties really but i call them focuses and i you know i'll be focusing in areas of organic vegetable production uh, season extension high tunnel management uh, local food systems agricultural energy issues farm energy issues those type of questions I think that I could be of most help with. And I'll just say also that what I like to do most is help farmers try to find practical solutions to issues that they're having that they can implement uh, to help with, uh, you know, production or tools or marketing or energy efficiency, any of those issues that they're dealing with. I like to try to find practical solutions for them to make their farms more resilient. You know, I'd like to see farmers setting kind of big big picture goals and then making decisions, being able to make decisions to move them towards those goals. And if some of the skills and experience that I've gathered over the years can help with that, then I'm very, very happy to help. So I would just say, get in touch with us and uh, give us questions uh, that you might have. And I can help you with those areas that I just discussed. And if I can't, there's other specialists who are here to help as well in in other areas. And we can find the resources and connections and information for you to make those decisions and move towards your goals. Great. Well, thank you so much. It's great to meet you. And I look forward to working with you on some of these projects too, going forward. Likewise, I I look forward to working with you as well. And thank you for doing this. I appreciate you uh, talking to me about these things. Well, I'm so excited to, to introduce you to all of our listeners, and I hope we get lots of people picking your brain about their challenges. <laughs> That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. Additional information about this episode and related resources can be found at atra.incat.org. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe to Voices from the Field wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Rich Myers. ATRA, Voices from the Field, is produced by the National Center for Appropriate Technology, headquartered in Butte, Montana. It's supported by the USDA Rural Business Cooperative Service as part of NCAT's ATRA Sustainable Agriculture Program. Any opinions, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed in this recording are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of the USDA or NCAT. We'll catch you again next week, and until then, keep on farming.